5: Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel.
4: They call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Maya, nickname to be decided, Cole today. So uh, write in and give us suggestions for cool nicknames. Uh, mission Control is already taken. Paul is on an adventure, will return soon. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Quick question, folks, as you are listening today, what are you looking at? What do you often do when you're listening to a podcast? Uh, a lot of our fellow listeners have written in to say, I listen to Stuff They Don't Want You to Know when I'm exercising or when I'm... Doing else? housework. Sure, yeah, when I'm in the middle of another smash and grab <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on a crime spree. We're kidding. Don't, don't do, crime don't do sprees. Yeah. A,
5: a lot of it is about people doing hobbies, whatever their hobby is at mm-hmm. their home. They're listening to a podcast. Uh, Ben and I off of Mike just had a discussion about us working or on a computer or playing a video game even with mm-hmm. on mute while listening to podcasts. Sure. But what do your eyes do while you're busying your ears with us.
4: <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. I, a- after doing some research on this, I actually started wearing sunglasses uh, in the studio, at least for today's episode.
5: That's not just for... Like to look awesome and be like slightly intimidating?
4: I don't – you know, I'm flattered, but I think I think most people just find it annoying. But it, it's honestly – it's a bit freakish what we're exploring today and we would like you to be part of this conversation. So as we always like to say, at the top of the show, if you have something you want to let us know – immediately, post-haste, before you forget, and you're like, I don't have time to write out an email. I need to hop on the horn right now. Well, you, my friend, are in luck because you can call us directly. We are one
6: 833
5: Yes, that's our number. Call in right now. Leave a message. Tell us anything you want.
4: You have three minutes. And remember, if you do not wish to be identified on air, that's all jolly good, just explicitly tell us that.
5: Or if you just want to tell us something and you don't want it to go on air at all, tell us that too.
6: Or you know, okay. use one of those voice disguisers that the serial killers use. That's entirely up to you and it's not on all your s- dime. Serial killers, w- whatever. That's you know. profiling. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, here's a thing uh, we never mentioned at the top of the show that I would like to today. If you would be so kind, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform of choice allows you to do so. Uh, preferably Apple Podcasts. I think is what they're calling it these days. Say something nice. It helps with the algorithm. It uh, helps raise the profile of the show. And honestly, considering how many people listen to the show, the number of reviews we have is a travesty. So so help us with that.
4: Yes. Vote your conscience, please. So w- before you heard our, uh, our weird voices coming, coming through your ear holes, you probably heard an ad. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a promotion for one of our many new podcasts. Maybe it was some, some offer to go to a website like Great Courses or something like that. A long time ago, years and years back – Matt, you and I had an unsuccessful experiment. We've had many ah, experiments. Yes, you remember this, right? Yes, I do. Years ago, we decided when we were looking at big data and advertising in general, in these our modern days, to try and count every single ad we saw in the space of one day, and we failed. Yeah, because yeah. eventually you just give up. I lost count after two hundred. Mm-hmm. Yep.
5: Yeah, and and I remember we had lengthy discussion about what constitutes an ad. Right. Is a logo, like just a singular logo without any other words or a picture that represents a company, is that an ad? I would
4: argue yes. Yeah.
5: I think so too. And in that case, we – I mean we, we weren't even
6: counting correctly because there were so many of those that we encounter every day. Although the nature of who pays for the ad or how the ad is distributed probably should be on the table because if I have an Adidas hoodie – I paid money for that Adidas hoodie because I think it's cool, but it's also technically an ad for Adidas. And they didn't yeah. buy it though. I paid them for the privilege of wearing their ad. Right. You paid them
4: for the privilege of advertising for them. That's right. So congrats. Mm-hmm. That's why I usually. That's why I, I usually am adverse to many brands. But uh, but you know that's the nature of the beast, right? People mm-hmm. like those identifiers. Ads are not necessarily a terrible thing. It would be ridiculous for us to argue that on this show, right? Because there will be an ad here at some point. However, ads are so ubiquitous. Advertisement in some form. Every day, most of us are surrounded by institutions, technologies, and various groups that try ardently to collect as much information about us as possible and then analyze it six ways from Sunday and, you know, often they get things hilariously wrong. Like, have you You've probably you probably had this thing where you order something that's maybe a one-time purchase. You get like a toilet seat replacement or whatever and then the next thing you know for a week or two you're inundated with these ads for toilet seats like you're some kind of regular toilet seat enthusiast like you're some sort of addict and facebook is thinking well if we just keep showing them the ad like what are they going to do are they going to say ah just one more i'll treat myself i guess this guy's
5: on a custom toilet seat kick right now (laughs) we really got to flood in while while the iron's hot
4: or you buy a car and they're like you know what this person who just bought a corvette needs three more corvettes yeah, just wait
5: until you till you have a child, Ben. Uh, one day you're going to have a child. I can I can foresee it. I've, I've had a prophecy and when you have a child you realize just how many ads are thrown at you about having a baby.
4: Yeah, and it gets pretty invasive, right? There are not as many privacy safeguards as one would expect when it comes to the world of data aggregation. We always talk about the famous and completely true, by the way, folks, story about Target predicting a pregnancy yeah. in such a way that surprised the parents of the expecting mother. At times, advertising now, especially in the digital space, can feel close to telepathy or an attempt at it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not quite there. Yet, And that is what today's episode is about in large part. So here are the facts. It's no secret that advertisers are infamous for their relentless pursuit to learn everything they can about you, no matter who you are, in the hopes of selling you something at some point.
5: Yeah, but there's this one, one thing that's always eluded all of their efforts and all of these companies and how much time and money they've spent on this. And it is your physical bodily reaction to everything that they're doing, to the ads that they're putting in front of your face, mm-hmm. to to the um, how bright, how dark, like what color, all of these things. They cannot tell precisely how you are reacting
4: in real time. Which just to give you a sense of the, the stakes here and how much uh, information these organizations would like to collect – if you had for some reason – I'm not making fun of anybody. If you had for some reason a physical reaction where you had like a little anxiety fart every time you saw something, yeah. they would want to know that. <laughs> yes. 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 Just so. Well, that was one. That was one. Uh, the There's not really a limit for data collectors. There's not a moment where they would say, well, this is too much. This, yeah. We're getting a little weird. Uh, right now – whether there is, whether we're talking billboards or banners or, you know, ads on your phone or your freemium game or whatever you're playing, uh, advertisers have always had to rely on other indicators to see whether they could grab someone's attention. So they know, for instance, um, in a YouTube ad or something where you have five seconds before you can click, Yeah, right, they know that you are doing something during those five seconds. But are you paying attention to the ad or are you, you know, like, oh, I'm going to. I don't know, drink soda.
5: Well, yeah, especially just that that concept if you're looking – if let's say you're using your phone, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got YouTube playing, a YouTube ad comes up. How are they going to know if you're actually looking at that ad or just looking somewhere else while it's playing or even putting your phone down? Right Now, there are ways on on most smartphones to tell if you've put it down, if you've turned the screen off, if you've clicked. They definitely know if you've done anything like that. But as of right now, nobody is – well, at least – Oh god, we're about to get into it, but Go for it. nobody's using the camera to
4: actually look at you while you're looking at it. Officially. 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 There are there are hacks of plenty and who reads their terms of service? You know <laughs> what I mean? Who does? Uh, I I had a an old friend, professor uh, at a local university here who was a, a graphic design guy and he was Working on a project to make terms of service in those uh, agreements yeah. more readable. Oh. Like a, a really cool thing that automatically sorted the stuff you should be concerned about and popped it up at the top. Uh, that's really great yeah. and nice and cool. His funding was pulled. Oh. Yeah, there's just not an incentive <laughs> for it. Yeah. So here's a little experiment that we found in Slate. And I want you to think about this just for a moment. Don't do this if you're driving. Uh, if you're in the middle of like your MMA training or whatever, yeah, just yeah. wait. Wait till you have a safe place to sit down.
5: Oh, wait, and I've got an idea. If yes. you can find a mirror, mm-hmm. look into that mirror while we read off this uh, this list. Oh, interesting. Isn't this interesting? Because oh, it's that's a little really different. Good. Yeah, it's, it's we're mixing the senses here mm-hmm. in the reaction, but we just want to see if you notice anything.
4: Okay, so consider for a moment, mirrors at the ready. The following list: Republican. Abortion. Democrat.
6: Future. Afghanistan. Health care.
5: Same-sex marriage. Now, we've tried, I think, all of us to just say these as straight as we can, just like say the word without th- without <laughs> trying to yeah, add sure. too much to it. Um, but we want to know if you've noticed that there was – was there any reaction in your face when you
4: heard any of those words? Maybe a dilation of the pupils at one point, right? Or a mm-hmm. narrowing. Uh, maybe your eyes flicked in one direction or another. Did you notice a, a blink that ordinarily would have passed you by? There is a tremendous, profound, enormous amount of information reflected in the way you just read that list. If you if you read it written down, mm-hmm. or if you're watching your own reactions.
5: Honestly, we don't know exactly how it's going to be if you just hear it sure. um,
4: precisely, but. Uh, for certain, there was some kind of reaction. Well, sounds a tremendously powerful thing. I learned a cool fact about sound. This is a total tangent. Okay. Is it? Okay. So, uh, this came to us from Will Pearson, a friend of the show and a host of our podcast, Part Time Genius. Uh, Will kicked a, a couple studies to us. That showed sound can affect your experiences in subconscious ways. They don't that you are not going to be aware of. If you are eating, for instance, stale Pringles potato chips and someone is playing the sounds of some crunchy thing yes, then your brain will believe that the chips themselves are fresh and not stale. And this is – it's so easy to affect people's sensory input. But here's what happened: When you – if you read those words that we just intoned, uh, then you may notice that your eyes paused for a fraction of a second on certain words. And this, this is definitely true for most of us because we put in some phrases that could be considered oppositional, right? Mm-hmm. Democrat, Republican same sex marriage, etc uh, these these things can be divisive for some people in the u s, and probably what was happening was our brains, as we read along, were trying to connect these things, even though they just exist independently, right as fragments of a sentence. But did your pupils dilate a little bit while you were reading the list at which word? You know, did you blink at a different rate? Did you backtrack to reread any words? And if so, which ones, when, and how long? Eye tracking can show you all of this if you are an advertiser or even more disturbingly a government. This concept has also been called the holy grail of advertising. It uses the image from one or more cameras to capture changes in movements and structure of our eyes. And it can measure all of these things with scary Orwellian accuracy. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> that's that's right now. It hasn't it, it hasn't really mainstreamed yet. Well, yeah, it's it's still one of those
5: uh, technologies and approaches that ha- you basically have to do it in an environment where you're testing right now. Because can you imagine right now if. Let's say everyone right now that has an Apple phone, some kind of Apple phone. Mm-hmm. It just rolls out and they Apple lets you know, hey, just so you know, your front-facing camera is going to be watching you at all times. Whenever you're looking at your phone, it's going to be tracking exactly what your eyes are doing and it's going to be taking that data and sending it back to Apple.
4: Do you think they'll keep Siri as the branding or do you think they'll make a new uh, ostensibly friendly entity for that? It's like – you know, every time you, you pull up your phone, if you don't have time to type, don't worry. Danny can tell what you're looking at, and Danny will help you. Uh, I feel like
6: Siri has been looked at as kind of a flop anyway. So maybe it's time to rebrand. Siri has been doing some
4: great work for memes, though. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Just like the meme economy. All right. I yeah, don't know I, how. I, I don't know any Siri memes. I don't use Siri in thought real life. thought I was life. up on the memes.
6: <laughs> so wait.
5: Okay. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm trying to think about your question. Sure. With... Uh, Siri and what it's going to be and it definitely it definitely feels like a black mirror episode. We were just talking with our producers out there. Um uh, Maya and Seth by the way, uh, uh shadow producer Seth That's over there. That's
4: right. Hey Seth. It's we, l- literally <laughs>
5: his first day. It's his first day. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking with him about how black mirror this this topic in this mm-hmm. episode is. Um oh, I'm trying to get back to what I was going to talk about. I got lost on Seth there for a second. Okay, so um we were just we were discussing how Siri as a thing feels like it will be what the the new phone is. It won't be like a phone. It will be a Siri, or, uh, does that make I sense? See. Yes, yes. Um, some kind of personified um, thing that exists that you just interact with as another
4: being. Something like, approaching AI as a personal assistant.
5: That's what it feels like. But it'll yeah. just be that
4: the device you have on you at all times. And eye tracking would be a fundamental piece of that again, this stuff is not a theory this is not necessarily alarmist we're working we're working to stay away from being too too scary about mm-hmm. this. Uh, but this is where we are right now and we'll pause for a word from our sponsors yeah uh, and we'll tell you what's happening. Pretty soon, sooner than you think.
5: Yeah, make sure you do not pause. Just listen all the way through this, and keep your eyes as open and stare as for as straight as you
4: can forward uh, while listening to the sponsor. Yeah, take your take your hands, take your pointer fingers and your yeah, thumbs just and hold ratchet your eyes. open, and uh, let's see where everybody is. I feel silly. No one can see us doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we both did it. Though.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
3: We're
4: back, and before we vilify eye-tracking, which, you know, honestly, I'm totally down to do, uh, we should mention that it's not an inherently evil or bad thing, right? There are some advantages.
6: Yeah, so um, for folks who are into this technology, um, there is an enormous benefit for people who have disabilities or, for example, uh, the creation of immersive games – But how far does it go and what are the implications? Um, These are the answers uh, that may disturb you. Definitely.
4: Here's where it gets crazy. You're absolutely right. Okay, First, the argument about disabilities is entirely compelling and valid. If someone is, for example, paralyzed below their neck, then they'll rely on mouth movements maybe or – there are already forms of eye tracking I believe that exist – in order for them to maybe type with their eyes or something like that, this takes it to another level, and it could be of tremendous and significant benefit to to these people. It also is, as you said, Noel. It, it's probably great for VR games. Oh yeah, I haven't tried it, but it, it could be incredible. Instead of having to move yeah, yeah, your head, neck, right? Yeah. yeah, it
6: would make a lot of sense.
4: Also, I just don't. I don't plan to. I wear sunglasses all the time, but it's not because the lights are too bright. It's because I already in real life don't want people to know where I'm looking. You know what I mean? I can't I, yeah. handle taking that to a digital realm. It's all good, man. Well, here we are. Right now, eye tracking seem like a, a lovely, nice convenience, but the implications are far-reaching and too many. Deeply disturbing and uh, deeply concerning at the very least. And mm-hmm. we're always really careful to separate our opinions from the facts. So I will say it: we always try to be very explicit about this. It is my opinion that this is a bad thing, and I, I'm glad to I'm glad to defend why. If because okay. usually the three of us are on the same page, but. If there's a disagreement, I'm glad to I, I'm glad to hear you. I want to be persuaded that this is overall a good thing. I all don't
5: buy it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go into it as though just for funsies sure. that I believe that it's the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. and we have to institute it just to make sure that we know everything about you that
4: we need to know. That we need to know. Yes. Oh. We. All of us. Right. Well, first things first. As we said, this isn't theoretical. It is happening. There is – Virtually no government oversight, zero government oversight.
5: Sounds good. Sounds like something the private entities want.
4: And that's a that's I mean a, that's a larger trend we're seeing. You know, private private control or private subversion of things that once existed as legal oversight in the governmental sphere. Uh, for example, there used to be the Do Not Call list. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah, I was on it. It's still a thing, right? It is, but does it work anymore? No.
6: No, I guess it doesn't, does it? I mean, I've had people who, you know, when you call and it's a human, that's the problem though, right? Now, more more often than not, it's a robot. Mm. So you can't really yell at a robot and say, put me on your do not call list, right?
4: Yeah, exactly. Right. And we have to ask ourselves, does the do not call list still exist? I mean, things are, these kinds of intrusions are becoming more and more frequent and more and more invasive. And really, private industry is, is leading the charge. Apple has filed a patent for a three-dimensional eye-tracking user interface. There's a European company called uh, Sensei. Get it? Yep. Because it's, like it's like an eye. It worked on that. <laughs> uh, it, it wants to have eye-tracking software baked into smartphones very soon. And as this stuff becomes increasingly deployed in your laptops, in your tablets, in your phones, in and your TVs that have your, cameras, in your freezer, yeah. in your smart refrigerator, yeah, uh, this will open a new front in the debate over privacy as it stands now. Privacy is very much an endangered species. Yeah.
5: We talked about it as a good thing with respect to virtual reality, game playing or whatever, however else you're going to be using VR or AR glasses like the old Google Glass or some of the new prototypes that are coming out. Um, eye tracking will pretty much in the near future enable all these companies to collect your most intimate and I mean, for the most part, subconscious or unconscious responses to the entire world around you, any and all stimuli, they will have cameras facing at you so long and at all times that
4: literally everything you encounter will be recorded. I thought we weren't going to go dystopian this time around.
5: Well, I mean, unfortunately, this is – this is – Okay, I'm I'm supposed to be the the one who's positive for this, right? I'm <laughs> sure. not going to have any kind of uh, existential breakdown right now about this. It's fine.
4: Um, I'll do it. We can switch sides uh, if you want. Can we switch sides? Sure. Okay, sure. Okay. okay. here. Uh, let's see. Let me take a swing at this okay. on the positive side. All right. So, eye tracking technology, my position now is that it's great. Okay. It is superb. It's, uh, it's top-notch. Uh, because it helps advertising become more effective. Okay, and, so
5: I'm only going to see the ads that really
4: do pertain or interest to me? Right, so you're looking at your phone or you're looking at your tablet or your laptop, and advertisers receive this feedback that say, oh, Matt Frederick's eyes lingered for a few seconds on an advertisement, but then he didn't click on it. So how does he really feel about, you know, toilet seats or Corvettes? Uh, how did Matt's eyes move as he looked at an ad? What did he look at first? Should we prioritize that in the future? Right? Should we bring the Corvette more in the forefront? Okay. Are there certain words, phrases, or topics that are uh, that are things Matt Frederick loves, mm-hmm. or are there things that are super like turnoffs for him? Like whenever he sees something that mentions Velcro, he's like, "Screw this! Uh, Burn the system down! I'm going outside."
5: Yeah, or pickled okra. Like, get out of here.
4: Get out of here with Just that.
5: Just don't even put that on my phone.
4: So then this means that successive ad campaigns will be more tailored to you. The argument on paper is probably something like they're more organic or they're integrated or that wait, I'm going back to my real side. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they're, they're uh, less invasive because it's something that you are predispositioned to show an interest in.
5: Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm coming back on your side now. So when when companies are trying to figure out what kinds of stories we want to hear about, what kinds of movies and television should be produced, they can think about all of these different things in a giant cloud of words and phrases that they can mix together and make me the stories that
4: I want to see. That's great. And the way they're able to do this is through the collection and preservation, the hoarding, it'd be fair to say, of the data they collect from the, again, largely unconscious movement of your eyes and largely uncontrollable. So we're talking about millions of people's eyeball footprints, for lack of a better word, and then hundreds, probably thousands of companies in the, in the near to mid-future who will collect this across the digital ecosystem. What will they do with all that information? Whatever they want. Yay! That is that is ultimately the answer. That's probably – I mean there, there will be people who want to split some hairs over it but ultimately whatever they want.
6: Well, it's like anything else on the internet, right? I mean it's all of the stuff that you – Pump into Facebook knowingly, knowing that that is what pays for your privilege to use Facebook. It's just going to get more and more specific. Before you know it, we're going to have like biometric scanning that we're agreeing to allow to be processed. And we have no way of knowing what the end results are or the end user is going to do with that information. Psst, anybody that works at MailChimp already gave that stuff over. Uh, that's right. Well, that's the thing too. Like, for example, this is a little bit off the, the, the subject, but it's similar. Like, when marijuana was recreationally legalized for the first time, like, Los Angeles, and probably even when it was, uh, you know, prescription, you had to let them scan your ID. You had to let them scan your ID into some database, mm-hmm. and you don't really have any control over what they do with that. It gives you the privilege of buying marijuana legally, but. You're sort of rolling the dice as to is this going to come back and bite me in the ass if it's not legal in my
4: state? Like there's all kinds right. of different things. There. Or what, what if you get a job at a federal organization Absolutely. or something? You know?
5: And you know, they're doing the same thing with nicotine sales in Georgia right now mm-hmm. or at least they're proposing it. I think it's, it's not officially in place yet, but it's being done in some places here in Georgia where if you buy any nicotine product, they scan your ID mm-hmm. and imagine the implications of that. Then it goes back to your healthcare provider or sure. something and – Although that Uh, –
4: it's like Flannery O'Connor said, all all that rises must converge, right?
5: Yeah. But
4: now in a really uncool way. Sorry, Flannery. Uh, Yes. But also thank you for saying that, Flannery O'Connor. So this is is true and that's an excellent point. Uh, The purpose is to aggregate this and get as close to uh, predictive potential as possible. In theory, this stuff would be anonymous – data they would they would describe as non-personal. But in practice it's gonna be very easy to penetrate the anonymity of that. Because think about it. Your eye movements will be largely unique. They will be largely tied to a device that is already identified with you, your smartphone, right? When the GP the GPS is trackable as well. So they know mm-hmm. where you are when you're looking at things. Uh, sort of like Uber, I believe it was Uber, is using some of that same technology to float the idea of a, a system or a function in their software where they can not pick up people who have been drinking, which to me sort of defeats the purpose of a lot of Uber rides. <laughs> but they they can see and they'll say, okay, well this person is calling this person is calling a ride, but their phone says they've been at this place for you know three hours. Yeah, and it's a bar or something,
5: and you're just like, I'm not picking up that drunk patron,
4: right, or something like that. But again, that's what Uber drivers and Uber customers have signed on for. I'm Just saying there's a lot that we can get from phones and these other similar devices uh, that you might not suspect. And now this is going to this is going to kick it up to an entirely new level. Eye tracking from tablets and smartphones is tied to a unique device identifier associated with one specific device. So maybe they don't know that your full name is Noel Brown or Matt Frederick or Maya Cole. But <laughs> but, but they they will know that it is, you know, uh, an AT&T iPhone 6S or whatever. And they'll know where it is. And they'll know where it is. So because this ties into location tracking information, it can also tie to the locations that you show up at all the time, right? Most of these studies are being – on this eye tracking stuff are being conducted in closed environments. But the technology is already – it's already been out there. What we're telling you about is not just happening. It already happened, all those rumors that you've been reading about uh, regarding Facebook's microphone being on or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, it's quite possible that you already unknowingly have an app or some piece of software on some electronic device that is trying to do something like this with your eyes.
5: Yeah. And, you know, just as Ben said, when we come back after this quick sponsor break, we're going to talk about how towards the end there how this is this is literally like one tiny cut right of the thousand cuts that we're giving ourselves that will eventually bring about uh, the gray goo gray goose (laughs) i'm just kidding the don't worry I, i i'm just i'm just saying that um the machines will be taking over really soon and eye tracking is just one tiny part uh here's our sponsor
7: Is choosing the right travel partner.
5: Gene, Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it.
7: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you ride the
5: books, Gene, and vlasta runs the business. I understand now. It's a wise man, uh,
7: Marie's a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! <laughs>
4: The singularity, right? That's it. Yeah, nanobots. we
6: talking about premium vodka here, gents. <laughs> the gray goo? Yeah, the gray goose. The, the gray-, gray goo. The
4: goose. You got to get that goose. <laughs> get it. goosed. You're here first if you've never heard of vodka. Uh, okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's... It's that potato juice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a sweet, sweet... Sweet, sweet Moscow potato juice. Mm, delicious. Let's just start calling vodka that. Can we call it Moscow potato juice? I like that- it.
5: Drink responsibly and only if you're over 21 or wherever the legal age is in whatever country you reside. Your phone or if,
6: or you're in, if, you're in, if you're in Russia and whatever age. Yeah. It's
5: fine.
4: Or don't drink alcohol. That's also a thing you That's can do. Thing. Cranberry you c- juice. You can just eat the potato. <laughs> I feel like we helped a lot of people with that. I
6: think we did too. That's good. That good. should be a shirt, though. I like that. You can just eat the potato.
5: Hey guys, where did where did your eyes go when when we just started talking about potatoes and vodka and all that stuff? What where, where did what happened to your eyes? Uh, we, we need to know. Send us your your metrics, please. <laughs>
4: wow. Oh, please feel free to not do that. Okay, because <laughs> we don't want to be held responsible. It turns out that there are many applications for this eye tracking technology, and this is incredibly dicey ethically fraught territory. We talked about cracking privacy. It's going to be easier than ever. Once this stuff is out and mainstreamed and it's, it's fully acknowledged as the new normal, you're just going to have to treat everything you do as though it is a matter of public record, at yeah. least online. But there's another more troubling thing, I would I would argue, which is the concept of pre-crime. Remember Minority Report? Yes. Yes, this could th- this could happen. As a matter of fact, it is happening. That's the thing that I keep trying to emphasize here.
6: Is that the gray goo you're talking about? The the goo that the precogs are floating around in? That's it. Uh, is yeah. it? No, no. I was
5: talking about the uh, nano – essentially the, just the nano um, –
4: Nanobots functioning as like the philosopher's stone, right? It's transformative. Exactly.
5: You can, it can create whatever it wants but it could also just cover the earth if it continues to replicate uh, without any controller. Where's the goo? It's like a gray substance, like a gooey substance of nanobots that it, just it's
6: oh,
5: it's a they thought just, project. They kind of yeah. flow. Yeah, I get it. uh-huh. it's not real yet.
4: Yet, <laughs> but uh, we do know that. Oh wait, we have to do my. When did Minority Report come out? Are we past the statute? Ninety nine. Okay, early two thousand. So we're solid. But anyway, spoiler alert. Here be spoilers. After the countdown, three, two, one. Two thousand two. Spoilers. <laughs> so. <laughs> So in Minority Report, and we've all seen this film, in case you haven't seen it, uh, Tom Cruise uh, attempts to act as <laughs> a, as a member of law enforcement in the near future in a pre-crime division. Uh, and the way that the pre-crime works is the precognitive triplets that you you mentioned earlier, right, Noel? They, they have these dreams while they float in this pool, and their dreams are inscribed on these— Little wooden balls? Yeah, I think I so. I think so. And then Tom Cruise reads them <laughs> and uh, and then attempts to stop a crime before it occurs. Yeah. Right now, that's still kind of sci-fi, but not as sci-fi as you might think. All the while manipulating things on kind of a, a holographic
6: touchscreen. Yeah, like which a haptic. Which is largely the way we use tablets and stuff now. That's sort of pre, uh, pre-cogged, you know, our use of touchscreens. There we
4: go. Yeah. So where where are we at in real life with pre-crime? Yes, it is a thing. We have to recognize that although companies and private organizations will take the brunt of criticism for this, law enforcement and security will have big roles to play. And this becomes very dangerous when we talk about uh, more harsh nation states. Researchers in the U.S. and the U.K. have mapped the correlation between blink rates, pupil dilation, and deceptive – statements already, right? Yeah. This is like a polygraph if a polygraph actually worked. So the Department of Homeland Security has already been developing a pre-crime program aimed at identifying criminals before they act. Yikes. Seth.
5: Yes, yeah, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> we knew it before you even got in the room, buddy. We're
4: totally joking, of course. Seth is yes. wonderful, although we've only met him. For the first time today. That's true. But I feel a connection. I'm having like a Cloud Atlas moment. You okay, yeah. Really cool. I see him out there. He's, like, yeah. he's looking. Okay. Yeah,
5: yeah. Uh, Maya Sala <laughs> the whole time. I can tell. Okay.
4: <laughs> so, so it's true, though. This DHS program is called, in a burst of creativity, future attribute screening technology. Oh. Or FAST. Huh? That was for you. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> you know I'm a, I'm a real acronym buff. So what
6: is FAST? What does it do? It's when things move at an alarming rate of speed. Yeah.
5: Yes. yes. Essentially what's going to be happening here very soon. But yeah, this program is, is designed to take images, analyze them, um, specifically at airport security checkpoints which
4: is already being instituted those facial scans mm-hmm. have you guys seen them if you if you travel uh, fairly often as as we do here uh, then you'll notice they've become sort of the way that sesame credit was originally instituted it was yeah. opt in and now it's mandatory
5: yeah and it's just to literally scan your face and your eyes and what they're doing as you're going through the airport and through the security process and all the other things mm-hmm. just to see if – are they doing any kind of weird movement? Is there any kind of – like what's your – what is your eye position and your gaze at any given time? What are you staring at? Are you looking at the security guards? Or are you looking at this certain bag? Mm-hmm. Are you giving off any kind of facial expressions that would seem suspicious? Are you just uh, – are you – Why are you you breathing so heavy? Were you running? That's it. Is your heart rate elevated right now? Why is your heart rate up so high? It's just the the dogs that are walking past right now checking everybody's (laughs) bags. Right. It's
4: fine. So this is a very controversial application of this because, yes, we could say that this has the potential to prevent crime and save lives, right? For instance, America has a tremendous ongoing and tragic problem with mass shootings – Which occur at a at a cartoonish and fundamentally offensive rate one being too many. Yeah.
6: Well so in theory, like if there were cameras set up in the way that could do eye tracking in a public space and someone was being what one might describe as shifty as in darting their eyes around at a at a weird, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of clip,
4: that might be a Flag right so that's the question could this prevent those sorts of tragedies it's it's weird because it's tough to argue this let's say for instance uh, let's say for instance that someone snaps and they go to a public place with guns or or maybe an explosive or something but they're clocked by a camera and then they're arrested well unless they wrote down or publicly stated what their intent was they would just have a legal possession of a firearm. You know what I mean? And so how can we prove what would have happened would have happened? That's why pre-crime doesn't work, right? Not yet. It
6: basically amounts to depriving someone of due process.
4: That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the technology always outpaces the legislation. It's something that we see time and time and time again. But the effects go beyond the computer screen as well. Researchers are testing a new product called Sideways, and Sideways can track what products catch your attention on the shelves in a local brick-and-mortar store.
5: I have seen this.
4: Really? At a grocery store or something?
5: Uh, I don't know if it's this particular, like, Sideways TM version, Mm -hmm. but where there will be uh, a camera set up in a specific aisle – where, you know, it looks as though it could just be for security purposes to check and see maybe if you're in a grocery store and there's a security camera right next to um, some of the, the medications or something, well, maybe a hot ticket item that's expensive and small, right? Okay, But I swear to you. It's got – not only is the camera set, set up there, it's got the display right there, and it says it's recording while it's doing it. And again, it could be just CCTV, mm-hmm. but why would you not take something like that and then be uh, looking at how people – like are their eyes and how they're looking at things and how they're uh, reacting? Because as a security officer, you could probably ascertain whether something wrong is going on mm-hmm. by using the same things DHS is doing. Um. why would Kroger – oh, sorry. I said it. Why would Kroger or Publix or one of these other big companies not be uh, working with some advertising company to have data on
4: that stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, the overhead investment is just pinto beans in comparison to – you know, the, the possible profit potential.
6: And is that the kind of thing you would have to opt out of? Or could you even opt out of it if you didn't even know what was going on, right?
4: Right. Where's the informed consent? Yeah. You're exactly. in the store. You're in
6: the store. But that could be one of those things where it's like, okay, let's say I go to a music festival and there are signs saying, by the very fact that you are putting yourself in this environment, you are uh, de facto consenting to be filmed.
4: Right, right, right. Which maybe doesn't hold up in court. I don't know. That's a... It does in public, mm. like if, if we're walking down the street. Is someone... it
6: public, though, if it's a gated
4: thing that you paid know. money
6: to go into? You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I guess it's up to them then. Right.
6: Uh, I, just, I just wonder how this would work. Obviously, we're not there yet, but I think this is begs the question. of mm. like, How uh, responsible do these companies have to be to let people know that this is going on, this kind of data collection is going on?
4: Cough, yeah. cough, not very cough. Not. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, there's not, again, there's not too much oversight. At least, like, let's go back to this sideways or stuff like sideways. Mm-hmm. So you walk up to the, uh, the item, let's see, you're, you're deciding between uh, the store brand. We have cereal at home type of cereal. Yeah. Or maybe you're going to splurge and get, get the – Kashi. Yeah, get the <laughs> Kashi. There you go. You're like, I earned it. I earned this fiber or whatever. <laughs> that's your. That's how you party. Mm-hmm. And you're that person. And uh, the grocery store has the system that will look at not just what you ended up getting – but will tell us a little bit about the decision process you went through the de- what's called the decision tree that led you to kashi right and from that you will probably have uh, some sort of linked contact avenue right you'll get more even if you even if you don't sign up for the whatever kroger app or something yeah. you will you will be able to get targeted ads through instagram for instance and eye tracking is going to be huge for instagram what kind of stuff can people learn about you from your eye movements? This is, where, this is where things become very dangerous, possibly fatal, and we'll explain why. So it shows not just what you're focusing on but the order of operations that mm-hmm. you use when thinking through a visual, a visual stimulus, both where you tend to look in general – like does this person tend to – do you read the captions first or something, which nobody does, uh, or what you tend to look at and look for specifically, right? Are you
5: just looking at the price? Is that how you're shopping? Right. Are you
4: looking at the name brand? Mm-hmm. Is the appearance of a certain thing or keyword more likely to sway you toward – Uh, buying something. Is
5: a bright color standing out to the majority of people who walk up to this section of the store.
4: Does someone just have to slap Tom Cruise's face on anything and you will buy it?
6: (laughs) Yes. I thought uh, when you said that, I was just picturing somebody slapping Tom Cruise's face when he jumps up on the couch on Oprah. It's like, get off my couch, Tom Cruise. It's not (laughs) where you raised in a barn. This is not where your feet belong, sir.
4: Go home. Were you raised in a land where all the floors are couches? That sounds like a lovely place. I feel actually, relaxed. I like you
6: twisted an ankle a lot. You did up stepping between the cushions, yeah. and then you'd go down. It's got like
4: at least, an, at least it's nice and soft <laughs> when you went down. It's got like an ottoman vibe, right? You know? uh, ottoman Empire. The ottoman Empire. Oh, Empire. Yeah, oh, guys, that's too good. But oh, that's too that weird. is it. Oh, we got there. No, all right. We're well, there. that's our show. Oh, clearly.
7: we Got in big. Uh,
5: all uh, right, but uh, wait. I just there's one last thing here yes. that we haven't even talked about yet, and this is this blows my mind just by looking at your eyes. Something like sideways. Ben, who I'm speaking to Ben and he's covering his eyes with his very dark sunglasses. Yes. but so just by looking at your pupils, these companies will be able to tell if you're having an emotional reaction to anything on that shelf.
4: Yeah. Kind of reminds you of the Blade Runner test, right? Remember that? Like there's a turtle. Yeah. It's on its back. It can't get up. I
6: have a question. Yes. Can you guys tell by looking at my eyes right now that I'm tripping balls on acid right now? Wait. I cannot. Good. Hold on. Yeah. I'm seeing a little melting. hmm now that's 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 just how I look. Oh, is that my
5: acid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry.
4: I have a new pitch. If you're encountering too much Tom Cruise in your life, we <laughs> you should have something to leverage all this. Let's leverage all this crazy invasive technology for good. If you if you are seeing too much of Tom Cruise in something, I propose we add the option of Tom Cruise control which will just, like, oh, lower God. his... Guys, all right. That that's should at the, the very least be a
6: plug-in <laughs> for, like, Google Chrome or something, you know, just <laughs> to, to strip crib. Tom Cruise
5: from the internet.
4: Uh, I support that, actually. That's
6: not nice,
4: you I guys. I know, he's probably the nicest guy. No,
6: and he does his own stunts, he and he's, like, three stunts. feet tall.
4: <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's a Lilliputian, you guys. He's completely harmless. He's Bantam, and he has a lot of energy. I enough. love your use of that but word, But he's Bantam. OT, he, he's
5: like, cool. what, 17 at this point? He's oh, basically yeah. a god. Yes, he mm-hmm. can materialize, dematerialize, do whatever he needs to do. His thetans got
6: kicked out, you know, I'm t- years ago. Just
5: be careful! He's probably in the room with he us. He can right stop
6: now. your heart with one
4: smoldering glance. Yes. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why I was <laughs> a million percent with you there, but <laughs> I felt that passionately, no. I was like, yeah, don't mess around with him. Anyway, uh, but so, think about you know, that. It can it can it can measure your emotional reaction to anything. Right. So it could. We're joking about this. Tom Cruise control thing, but it could do something like that, where wherein it says, "Okay, we're going to remove the following things from a normal ad." Yeah, because this will make so and so more likely to buy Kashi. Right? There's. This is the really dangerous part. Yeah, here it comes. Yeah, not just the emotional reaction, but uh, multiple studies confirm that someone's sexual orientation can be. Very easily discerned from observing their eye movements when uh, exposed to certain images. So, or at
5: least their overall attraction, right?
4: Right, right, exactly. And this seems to be proven across virtually every every kind of orientation one might imagine. Mm-hmm. It seems that the rules for our eyes apply across the board. Yes, this is dangerous because. In some countries, it is a crime to have certain sexual orientations, right? Uh, and in well, the ideologies of certain groups. In uh, the ideologies of certain groups. And you think about power and
5: how it can change hands and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty terrifying technology.
4: Right. Especially when you consider that not too long ago in various countries across the world, uh, for instance, being attracted to people the, the, the same sex was an automatic prison sentence if not effectively, a death sentence,
5: yeah, right? And that still remains in places across uh, the world today.
4: So imagine that you're flying in to this country, you're know, going on vacation. Just name a country. I don't want to pick on any specific one. And then you are stopped at customs, which is normal. They look at your passport. They may have a connection with Five Eyes or Interpol to make sure you're not an international taffy thief or whatever. And then – they deny you entry because of some kind of test or facial scan or some data they had from you. Literally just walking in. Yeah, walking in or looking at people on Instagram or something yeah. or on Facebook or whatever,
5: what or, have you. Or maybe on the displays on the plane that you
4: rode in on. Insidious. I like it. Yeah. Uh, also, also, maybe just uh, data collected from the TV you're watching that is also watching you. Yeah, Which is the best place to put these things, TVs and phones. So this means that someone without their informed consent could suffer legal consequences for something that is not a crime in their home country, right? Or something that really isn't other people's business, if we're being honest. Hmm. So this leads us to our conclusion for today, which is really opening – the door to more questions at what price convenience you know what I mean yeah uh, what are the advantages are you for this are you against it or as we say in the South are you for it or against it if so why and if you are one of those people who accepts the argument that uh, if you're not doing anything wrong you don't have anything to hide. If you're one of those people who's on that side, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your reasoning why. Maybe this is a necessary evil to some of us. Maybe the benefits ultimately outweigh the disadvantages, right? Either way, no matter how how you feel about it, if you're 100% on board, 100% opposed, it's happening. It doesn't matter. It's kind of like not liking the weather. The weather doesn't care what you think about it. And the companies pursuing this eye tracking, um, eye tracking technology, don't really care what you think about it either. The the money got too good, and the potential is there. It's Pandora's jar; the lid has been unscrewed, and that lid only it doesn't go back up. Well, and that's you're correct,
5: Ben. Um, well, well, here's what you may be thinking, because this is certainly a thought I had. I'm sitting here with a cell phone that has the front-facing the front facing camera covered by a, just a terrible-looking piece of duct tape, but that's just how I roll because I'm, you know, like you listening out there, I'm aware of some of these things. Um, you may think, well, what I'll do is I'll just cover all the cameras that I'm aware of that I can, and that way nobody will be able to tell what my eyes are doing, at least in my own home, right, wherever mm-hmm. I reside.
4: Um, because the only other solution is to wear sunglasses all the time, and uh, people don't, you know, people think something's up.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it does look cool on you, Ben. I wish it, okay.
4: We all look really cool in sunglasses. I like, Noel's got some sunglasses with white frames. Those are yeah. keep them on my, uh, my little neck. My neck piece here. Nice. When I say
6: neck piece, I mean my, 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 my diamonds, my diamond-encrusted icy piece. I see it. Piece I
4: there. like it because it, it, it's kind of like a tie analog. Well, the way it you catches know?
6: the light, too, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it really catches the eye and the light. Well, And in this instance, I can see myself in your chest,
4: which mm-hmm. is an odd mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. It's and important. It, it's sort of a power move, really. Yeah. And Matt, you look like a cop. With with your glasses. Oh, really? You have like these aviators, right? No, they're just the old school sunglasses. Who is that guy then? I'm not sure. Okay, I think I'm being followed by a police officer (laughs) who looks like you. Yes, it's working. (laughs) Finally, the dream. But yeah, this stuff stuff is happening and it is tempting to think that there are um, more low-tech solutions. Like, hey guys, stop freaking out. Just put some tape over your camera. No problem. Which obviously we do. But that is not going to work in the future. No, right. Uh, Apple also had a patent application, as well as other technology companies, uh, to have display screens that include thousands of tiny image sensors built into the screen itself.
6: Yeah. So if you are looking at the screen, it would be looking at you. I was about to say, you look into the abyss. The abyss looks back at you, my friends.
5: Here's the here's the crazy part. Mm. This filing, this patent that Apple filed that for, do you know what year it was from, Noel? Can you want to take a guess? No. It was a display.
6: 1993. 2004.
5: You wow. But seriously, though, think about when the iPhone came out. Think about, like, how often we've been using phones since then and the technology behind it. Apple filed
4: a patent for that in 2004. Well, okay. I never thought I would say this on this show. But in Apple's defense, a lot of times technology companies just file a patent yeah. as kind of a way of calling shotgun.
5: No, totally. I get that. I totally or get Or they that. file
4: patents to suppress technology.
5: Or the government does that a which whole Which has bunch.
4: actually happened. God, we're just – we keep saying the government and that's my bad. <laughs> Specifically Big G. the US government. Yeah, heavy G. Uh, it, it is true that there is a there is a law on the books – wherein if you file for a patent that is considered to be a threat to national security, you will lose your patent. It will become property of the U.S. government. It will be removed. You automatically get a gag order preventing you from ever speaking about what happened.
5: Yeah, it can also happen if the government already has a secret patent for one of those things.
4: Oh, yeah, secret patents. That's That's cheating. I get it. Yeah, I would do the same thing in their position. But anyhow, uh, anyhow, here we are. This stuff is not being suppressed. This is proliferating, spreading like wildfire to a cell phone near you. So the question is, what, what next? What to do? Do we fight against this, uh, this new way of aggregating data? I mean, have you ever been reading something online and thought? Wow, it's crazy that I can have my own thought about this and it still be private. The last sacrosanct thing in the human experience now is just the mind. Mm-hmm. That's it.
5: You know, I I think what's going to happen and it's already starting to occur a little bit, but I believe companies will begin to thrive that specifically are their their goal in creating products is to subvert this kind of tracking and this kind of uh, surveillance. And, and again, you can. There are some companies out there that are trying to create uh, wearable tech things that you can put on your body, that you mm-hmm. wear on your face, um, face paint, different things like that that will not allow facial tracking to occur. Oh,
4: like the camouflage that's used on some warships.
5: Exactly. And and I think those kinds of companies are going to proliferate and flourish, and you're going to have ones that there are specific types of glasses that you wear that mm. aren't actually, you know, they're not to protect you from UV rays. It's just to protect whatever light-sensing camera to, to see to your eyes.
4: Um, I really think that stuff's going to proliferate. Maybe disruptive contact lenses. Oh, yeah. See that being a little easier. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Noel? I mean, is it
6: going to make my Snapchat filters better? Probably, yeah. Well, then I'm all for it. All right.
4: Okay. Yeah. That's the way we're going to end it, I think. Well, that's that's how it's going. I think that's how the conversation is going to continue. You know what I mean? Uh, Because right now, here where this show is based in the United States – There doesn't seem to be an immediate threat posed by this, right? It will be an erosion of privacy rather than a complete sudden removal. The frogs in the water slowly boil.
6: But we're already in the water, dudes. We are. We're already in the water. We're practically dead. We're too far from shore. I know. It's true. There's no coming back. You can't. You can't roll back the tide. Despite that being an Alabama football's team's uh, <laughs> tide, yeah, logo yeah. or
4: whatever you call it, I still don't understand
6: what that means. I have no idea. What uh, is this crimson tide? Wait, why speak is it? Of and why? Oh. I know they're rolling tides, but like, why? What the roll tide? That means like trample the other side. Let us know. Yeah. yeah, let us know. Give us your football hot takes,
4: and also give us your advice. We have, this is clearly not a sustainable situation, right? Yeah. Uh, over the long term we don't know what's going to happen what advice do you have for your fellow listeners what is your take is this something people should be concerned about especially in countries where their involuntary reactions can lead to their imprisonment uh, their physical abuse or their death is this just alarmist is this a thing that'll be a flash in the pan and then disappear in the news cycle? What happens
5: when that Black Mirror episode really does come true where if you're not looking at the ad, uh, it pauses and you can't proceed?
6: Uh, That's what Seth was talking about earlier. What's Um, your favorite Snapchat filter? The kitties? (laughs) Do you like the puppy one where you stick your tongue out and then the puppy tongue comes out? How do they do that?
4: (laughs) I don't know. Right. Let us know. Write to us. Is the facial recognition worth it? A lot of people say yes. You know, uh, let us know. You can call us directly. We are one 833 You can also contact, now that we've said all these terrible things yeah. about social media using eye tracking to learn your innermost secrets. Hey, find us on Facebook along with your fellow listeners at Here's Where It Gets Crazy.
6: Yeah, we only use a segment of Facebook. We don't do use the wider Facebook world. Yeah. We only use the Facebook group because that's better. Yes. that's right and Twitter conspiracy stuff and Instagram conspiracy stuff show you can check me out on Instagram at how now Noel Brown if you want to see me dabbing with my kid and I don't mean dabbing like the weed thing I mean like the thing that you sure. do the dance or whatever yeah. thank yeah. god
4: okay uh, you can find me getting kicked into and out of various countries at Ben Bullen on Instagram I'm at Ben Bullen HSW on Twitter if you've got a hot take you want to just send send our way yeah. And find me
5: on Instagram. It's Maya Seth, big Fan
4: 24 at, uh, That's the
5: Instagram handle. Uh, you'll find it. It's at AOL. AOL. Yeah. Yes. AOL. Yeah. Sure.
4: <laughs> What's weird is that you made that before Seth's first day. I know.
5: I had no idea. And it's just kismet that we're having this recording session oh, today. Oh, nice so. use of kismet, man. There we go.
4: So, wait. What if someone says, guys, I hate the phone. It's 2019. Real friends text. I hate social media. It's 2019. We all know there's something screwy going on there. But – I have something I need to tell you, or more importantly, my fellow listeners, where, where, oh, where can I find a way to talk to you? We have good news for you, friend. You can still send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
5: Oh, and one last thing to mention here. On Monday, I'm going to be a guest of sorts, I guess, on the finale episode of the first season of Ephemeral. It's a a newer podcast that's put out by iHeartRadio, and it's a show about ephemeral media. And in the episode, the creator and host Alex Williams and I talk about this tape that I found of my grandfather trying to record the first words of my mother. It sounds a little weird in in this context, but I assure you, within the context of that show, it's going to make a lot of sense. I hope you'll listen Find Ephemeral right now on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts.